With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Australia's tour of New Zealand's the first step was the white ball, the T20s, the Chapel Hadley Trophy. It got off to a thrilling start, which we spoke about at length last week. And then Australia, the bowling was just too much for New Zealand to deal with in the next two games. So a 3-0 result on that front. Wrapped up yesterday in what became a 10-over affair because of the weather in Auckland. Last ball of the game. Chapman swings, misses, so too does Wade, and the ball goes down to the boundary for four runs. Australia defending it, Duckworth Lewis, stern target of 126 off 10 overs, reducing New Zealand to 98 for the loss of three of them. Our bowlers were unbelievable today, the way they came out and executed it. It's as clinical a bowling performance as I've seen in, in an Australian outfit. So uh, everyone knows the World Cup's coming up and um, we wanted to have a look at some depth in our squad. Um, we're lucky enough to do that with Spencer today and Matty Short. Um, yeah, we've got a really deep batting lineup and out, you know, we've got some nice bowlers as well. So to see Nathan Ellis come in every time he gets an opportunity, he, he does a good job for us as well. So yeah, it's just about having a look at some guys when we look forward to picking that um, 15 for the World Cup and um, it's nice to see some depth. A chance to review what happened in the T20s before we set sail for the Test Series on Thursday. The wisdom and experience of Robert Craddock on a Monday. Hello to you, Crash. G'day, Jared. Uh, it's, uh, everything's happening this week, isn't it? Footy, cricket, Vegas, Vegas. is coming up. Uh, we're going to spend oh. some time on Vegas week and get the feel from you shortly. Uh, just a, a look back first at the T20s, if you would. So a thriller on Wednesday, and then Australia's bowling was just way too much for New Zealand in those last two games. It was, and sometimes we take it for granted, and also our depth. Like, in last night's game, rain-shortened game, when the batsmen were all set to go biff-bang-whack, Spencer Johnson, you know, two overs, one for ten. Nathan Ellis, two overs, none for eleven. I mean, sadly for me, only one of those two will go to the Caribbean for the World Cup in June. I think Ellis will probably get there, and he's a great story came through the hard way. Sydney fella had to go to Tassie and, uh, you know, we were we always tell the story about him, you know, one stage selling door-to-door tickets for the Wildlife Association <laughs> to raise money. And, and these are gorgeous stories, Jared. It's lovely to see someone like that can just stick at it and get there. Uh, we, we, there's so many come through like that in India, whereas, you know, we've got our own story like that. So it's wonderful. But... As you say, the quality of bowling, something goes through New Zealand's head when they play Australia. That, that incredible statistic, which will be spotlighted this week, one win out of 31 tests against Australia, New Zealand. Their last 31 tests, one win. Think of that. I mean, you transfer Jared to a football scenario. Is there any club that has that record against any other club? I don't think so. No, no. It's the, it's the Serena Williams-Maria Sharapova 
rivalry, which was not a rivalry as Sharapova was felt intimidated by Serena Williams and that got shockingly lopsided. Do you think there's something in the the big brother, little brother psyche that plays out? Absolutely. And um, I had a long chat to Ken Rutherford, the former New Zealand captain who works in Brisbane now as the boss of the Albion Park Trots, where he's doing a great job. And he was saying, look, it's you almost need to be written off against Australia. He said it's almost when there's no chance, they become a chance. And, and a similar to narrative to it used to be with Queensland, the state of origin against New South Wales. They used to love being written off. But I remember... <clears throat> on the last tour of Australia about five years ago, and we were doing, you and I were doing uh, Cricket 360 after stumps, and <laughs> we talked up the Kiwis, and <laughs> Rutherford said he was sitting at home watching that in New Zealand thinking, I know exactly what's going to happen here. Australia win 3-0 because we think we're a chance. Yep. And, and that happened. So, uh, But in a two-test series, it'll probably be a green deck in Wellington. You know, I mean... You just feel like saying, are you blokes going to fire up at any point? <laughs> that, that's So the idea of the green deck, uh, which will uh, – that that's um, New Zealand's best chance notionally is to get after this refurbished top order, isn't it? And an unsettled Australia with a swinging ball on the green top. But then you run the other side of it and give Australia's bowling attack that same green top and good luck. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and that's the conundrum for them. You know, they, they do love, they do fancy their chances. I mean, Tim Southey, if he's going to keep bowling at 127 kilometres an hour as he enters his final seasons, well, he has to have assistance from the wicket. He really does. And uh, then you've got a 37-year-old Neil Wagner who roughed up Steve Smith, remember, with persistent short balls on that tour five years ago. Now, he's still around. He may try that again, although uh, the reason Smith, one of the reasons why he opened the batting is to get away from that sort of tactic because bowlers pitch the ball up with a new ball. So I'm fascinated to see what happens Wagner v Smith because when Smith was absolutely imperious and untouchable Wagner stopped him and he hasn't been quite the same since because other nations have copied that a bit they bowled short to Smith and uh, Smith's place in the World Cup T20 is really hanging by a thread now after his failure yesterday Jared I can't help thinking that you know the way he plays the game the game sort of moved past that a little bit so at the start of the last World Cup campaign, Australia was ready to move past Smith. The team, it didn't look balanced without him. Uh, and then he had that little resurgence in the BBL, didn't he? Post a, a test summer a couple of years ago when he went back and opened. Uh, and it was it was an incredible couple of innings, which sort of relit the fire. But he, he just watched him... And he knows is he hasn't been in this position terribly often, has he? He's auditioning for a place, and in those two knocks on Friday and Sunday, he was he was trying everything. He was trying to be unconventional and imaginative, and to roll out the circus shots. But it's just not him, is it? No, he's a nerdler, and he's a placement guy. And he's the, you know, he, he's not the the, the the guy who's going to hit a ball from Hobart to Launceston, is he? And, you know, the game's been hijacked by those sorts of players. I absolutely love having experienced players in a World Cup because we've said so often, and it came true again yep. in, in the last World Cup Australia won, 
heavy-duty players win heavy-duty tournaments. So I'm contradicting my own theory here by tipping Smith to probably miss out. But here's the reasoning, Jared. Like, the average age of that 2020 team, would it be 32? Like, uh, Josh Inglis is under, under 30, but barely anyone else is. So you've got experience. You know, Stoyness, Maxwell, Marsh... Um, Warner in there as well. Travis Head. I mean, that is a rock-solid experience top order. So it doesn't so much need Smith's guiding hand. And since the year 2020, his strike rate in international T20s is 116. Well, Travis Head and these guys, they're floating up towards 160. So I just... You know, it's Smith or Matt Short for me. When you do all the sums and you pull them different ways, you say, well, take this bloke, that bloke, it comes down to one last spot and it's Smith or Matt Short. And, and you know, they, Short can open the bowling. He's a power hitter. He was very good yesterday. He is a future player as well. So, yeah, I, I, I you know, they may stick with Smith, but I reckon he's more out than in at the moment. Your thoughts, Jared? Yeah, I, I feel the same way is... And they have prescribed, haven't they, that it's opening or there's nowhere. And I just can't see, unless there was injury to Warner or Head, um, and then I'm not sure that it's Smith who's the next one in. But you can you can pretty well forecast that team from this far. As it's only June um, that the tournament's played. And, and Warner and Head are clearly going to open and Marsh is going to bat three. And then... And then you've got the power hitters thereafter. Is there, there's not many variables, I don't think, in that setup. And the game's changed a bit, I think, Jared. Like there was a theory a few years ago where you know it's nice to have that hustler in there, hustling around at a run a ball and, and and just keeping the show ticking over. Now that sort of player is deemed as getting in the road. You know, yes, so yeah. because you want power, 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 and you say, we will back ourselves here. You know, we will just go hard and go home. And so, you know, I, I, that's that's why I think he's probably more out than in. They do love him. They like having him around. Um, and, you know, experience counts in the big games and all that. But as I said, you know, you've sort of got experience. Pat Cummins will be one of the younger players in the team. He's the test captain. You know? So, uh, yeah, so it's uh, an interesting choice ahead. Do you feel like Tim David is now bedded down as an international cricketer? Yeah, I do. He, he, uh, he He's an interesting character, isn't he? And I, I think he's the player who a lot of young kids are going to emulate. Um, I see it in the nets, Jared, and players like Jake Fraser McGurk. They're thinking big time, big hits, you know, big centuries. You can go places quickly as a T20 cricketer. You can see the world. You can have this 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 exotic life, which Tim David's got. I mean, I, I don't know how much Tim's got a Cricket Australia contract. He's got a million dollar contract with the IPL, so he'd be earning somewhere between two and three million dollars a year, and he's never played a first class game for yeah. Western Australia. He was overlooked in the system, he, and uh, he tried. He played a lot of second eleven cricket. He didn't just sort of storm off or, or you know, sulk or anything like that. But he redeveloped himself with this power game. And uh, um, Dan Churney wrote a nice story the other day about how he's driving three thirty metres on the golf course, and the boys say it's something to behold. <laughs> like it's that is. 330 metres, that's up there with the longest drivers on the PGA Tour. And it's this freakish swing he's got. But he, uh, it was that power game that brought Australia from back from nowhere in that first T20, wasn't it? 
and he doesn't panic. And the funny thing is, one of the guys noted it too, when it was over, there was no exotic celebration from Tim David. He shook a few hands and walked off as if to say, yeah, this is actually what I do, guys. I'm, I'm a finisher. Yep. You know, I, I hit hard. And, uh, you know, ev in everyone else's verdict, the target was out of reach, not in his, and he got it, and he just walked off as if to say, job done, next assignment, thanks. You know? Yeah. Incredible. So a couple of the questions around the, the T20. Are, are we expecting that Mitch Marsh captains that World Cup campaign? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Yeah, de definitely. He, he's been – they had a look at him. Um, you know, they, they weren't totally convinced he was the man. They always had Cummins waiting there. But I think they like the cut of his jib. How could they drop him now? Um, it, it's so close. And it's a – you know, he was Australian under-19 captain, wasn't he, all those years ago. Uh, so it's a, it's a nice sort of completing of the journey in some ways. Um, you wouldn't write him off to be a, a future test captain of Australia. Who knows? Uh, but <clears throat> this is a big assignment for him. They always knew he had one great thing in his favour, Mitchell Marsh. Everyone likes him. As we've said so yeah. often, Jared, he's Switzerland. You know, he sits there in the middle order in the test team and the batsmen and the bowlers who always ha haven't got along for different reasons. Some do, some don't, whatever. But there's... He and Travis Head, those two, it's just funny they're in between him in the middle order because they're literally in the middle of everything in the team. Everyone likes yes. No yeah. one takes offence at Mitchell Ma. He's a really safe choice. And, and so, yeah, I think he'll be, uh, you know, he'll, uh, he'll be captain for sure. Do you think Matthew Wade will be in the 15-man squad as the backup keeper and potentially the backup leader if something goes wrong? Yeah, I, I tend to think that, that he'll sneak in there. And, um, you know, once again, experience matters. Um, I, I do... Do you know what? I, I've got to say, I still feel sorry for Alex Carey in white ball cricket. Yep. You know, he didn't do a lot wrong, really. And, and he's still keeping well, particularly in the 50-over game. But I think Wade will probably go, and Inglis as well. And, um, uh, you know, Wade's... I, I just... You know, as a gloveman, uh, he's certainly, you know, not, not one of Australia's greatest glovemen, but... He's a good pressure player and he can get home, uh, get Australia home when it matters. In vet previous World Cups, he's done that and he might just have this one last yelp in him. For the Test Series, so we, we pick up where we left off in the Gabba. So there's a few things that come back into sharp focus and that's particularly Australia's top five. Um, is that the big question that sits over the Test Series? Yeah, it, it is. You know, and, and you have sort of sneaky form slumps like... I quite enjoyed Dan Cherney's story on, on Marnus Labu Shane's test averaging dropping by 10 uh, over the last couple of years. He's just not playing that well, Marnus, at the moment. And, um, Jared, isn't it funny how luck always equals out in the end, doesn't it? Yes. Remember those stories from three years ago? Yeah. Marnus Labu Shane is the luckiest player in test cricket. He's been dropped this number of chances, uh, which is... Uh, five more than any other player in the game over the same period. And all these stories about how, you know, he was lucky, couldn't do anything wrong, and suddenly all the edges are finding second slip and first slip. And it's just... And, and that factor alone, I'm telling you, that is largely responsible for a lot of the, the dip in his average by 10 runs. But I also feel um, that because he's such a cricket junkie, and it's on his mind 24 hours a day, relentless tinkerer, perfectionist, and those guys carry a lot with them. You know, they're never happy because batting is a craft of a million theories. 
and you could always find one rattling around in the back of your head when you're out of form, I think. And so he, he just he carries a lot with him, Marnus, you know, forever tinkering and that, and you know, not, not batting atrociously, and that's one of the reasons why he hasn't been spotlighted. But, yeah, he's been out of form for sure. The, the right decision was made with Cam Green to keep him in Australia for an extra shield round, and he made a century to pay that off, so to keep him out of the white ball setup to let him play that extra shield game, to see if he could really bed down before he goes to New Zealand for this tricky assignment. So uh, full marks there is the the prioritisation of a test series over the, the white ball stuff at least gives him a better chance maybe than the form he was in. Oh, yeah. And, and he's just one of those players, whenever he plays in shield cricket, he just looks a class above them, yeah. Jared. He comes in, he's never ruffled, he's never flustered, he never looks like getting out. He plays with such serenity. And you just sense that he will get there as a test cricketer. It's taking longer than they thought, I must say. Uh, but his averages are OK in tests. It's just that, as we said so often, all-rounders whether it's Richie Benno, whether it's Andrew Simons, whether it's Shane Watson, uh, they invariably take time. Not everyone's Gary Sobers and just comes in and goes bang or Jack. Even Jack Callis took a little while uh, at first-class level when he came in. But they generally, because they're working on both skills, it, it can take them a while. But, uh, you know, he's learning on the outer. He's learning at the moment. Our cricket updates for Henley, paying $1,000 a month off home loans for two years. So we'll be there on Thursday in Wellington. It'll be my first experience of cricket in New Zealand. I can't wait to see it. I think we'll, the, the cliche is it'll be hard to look at the square and pick which pitch is going to be used. How often has Crash been to New Zealand? We'll tap his wisdom and experience in a few moments' time. Melbourne's weather, partly cloudy, a top of 21. This summer, be prepared for extreme weather and sign up for the SMS outage alerts at unitedenergy.com.au slash notify. Test cricket on the radio from Thursday morning. Robert Craddock, have you done the tour of New Zealand often? Uh, yeah, I've done a few of them, Jared. In fact, my favourite was always the first one because it was Shane Warne's first tour there, just before the Gadding Ball. And I remember seeing him at the airport and he said, I've had a terrific start to the tour. And I said, oh, what's happened? He said, I've left my passport at home. I stayed at Simone's <laughs> place last night and it's on the, beside the bed there. And he said, said so I'm no certain of even joining the tour. But uh, and, and Warren just lit up New Zealand, Jared, that tour. And I always remember I was ghosting a column for Sir Richard Hadley, the great seamer. And, and one day we sat down and he said, I've got the lead today. My lead today for the column is Dennis Lilly was my hero. I always said there's nothing that will ever compare in cricket to watching Dennis Lilly's run-up, and, and I, I, I thought I would say that to the grave, but I found something better watching Shane Warne. He said, this young kid, he said, I just can't believe how good he is. He said, it's just compelling. And remember, this was just before he was discovered sort of thing on that by the gutting ball, which followed that tour, and Hadley was all over it. He just sort of said, this is... He said, I, I, it's the most compelling performance I've seen for many years. And, and he wasn't an emotional guy, Richard. He was very straight-laced. And I just it just stood out. And one other memory of where you're going, Jared, at Wellington, I remember uh, when they were shooting Lord of the Rings, Liv Tyler, uh, a famous Hollywood actress, daughter of Stephen Tyler from Aerosmith, she turned up at the Wellington ground. <laughs> 
And because the ground's so small and intimate, the whole ground was just talking. Players on the field, were, I remember the Australians trying to point her out. Is she in that stand? Is that <laughs> and it was just... It was it was if it was Taylor Swift. Yep. There you go. Yep. It, 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 it had that effect, and the test match for suddenly for an hour and a half didn't matter. It was fine. Liv <laughs> Tyler, son, a daughter of Stephen Tyler. Now the last time we were there, this was the Brendan McCullum farewell, wasn't it? And so Australia dominated those two test matches, but McCullum made that preposterous hundred and forty odd from eighty balls. Yeah, in his last test. Yes, and, and just it was him saying. Right, this is the way I've always wanted to play. I found it out late in my career, but I just free man now. I'm I'm heading into retirement, uh, and cop this Australia. And he just went off tap, didn't he? And and he had that in him, McCullum. He was a very interesting player. And you know the the the, the baseball creed which he's passed on to England has produced some just some of the best Test cricket of this century. We may bag it and we may go, oh, well, you know, Adam Gilchrist did that. And, yes, he, he, he was a baseballer before baseball. But as far as a collective philosophy, he's left a, an incredible imprint on the game. So let's move there to Ranchi, where day four is in prospect today. It was in England's favour when day three started. India was splendid. They bowled England out for 145 uh, the spinners did their thing right from the start. Ashwin took five and Kuldeep took four and Jadeja one. So they had all 10 between them. And it was one of those agonising days for England. They just needed that. They just needed 35 minutes where it wasn't happening and, and just to settle and, and they couldn't get that. And they've left a target of 192 and India is none for 40. So India are on the cusp of, of winning the series crash. Yeah, and gee, England have been good. I mean, they've taken a couple of kids as their spinners, Tom Hartley, Shahib Bashir, um, and, and, and who had no right to be competitive. And, and this is how raw Bashir is, Jared. In the first innings of this test, he took a uh, he, he picked up an LBW, and in his first class career, that was his second LBW. <laughs> like, you think of that for an off spinner. Like, if, if I'd have said to you, taking a guess, most people would have said, open it to callers, they'd say, oh, I would have taken 30, 40 LBWs. Yep. It was his second. Like, two counties overlooked him before he found his way to Somerset. Two counties said, no, you've got nothing, mate. And, and to his credit, Stokes saw, saw him and thought, you know, the kid has got something. And he's very good at building the self-esteem. But it's so he bowled 32 overs unchanged in the first innings of this test. But to ask these two young spinners to perform a miracle again in the second innings is is a stretch too far. At some stage they do feel the pinch. They're so missing Jack Leach, you know the, the crusty old left armer who he was no one's idea of a uh, you know an absolute master craftsman, but steady enough. And that's all you have to be sometimes in India. But I. I, I this scoreline of this series will probably be 4-1 to, to India, but it, it totally undersells how good England have been at various stages. And I must contradict myself from last week too, Jared. I went off about how a five-test series is too long in India, and, you know, there's a hint of that. But I've got to say this, four tests into this series, it just reinforces the majesty of longer test series changing plots, heroes leaving, villains uh, having a bad day, then suddenly coming out. Ollie Pope, 
double century maker, then a pair. Yeah. You know, it, it, all these na- these rich narratives develop, and and, and they, you know, there's so many just great stories have come out of these four tests. They've just been compelling for Test cricket. It's been a really wonderful series in every way. I, I found it as enjoyable as any series I've watched for years. Yeah, I feel that way as well. Is Joe Root actually went back to batting properly and made a 274 ball, 122 unbeaten in that first inning. So even just the I, – one of the pieces that was – one of the think pieces that was being written is does baseball allow for reflection, for introspection between games? And the answer to that was yes, is – um, Root's devotion to it was seeing silly, unnecessary dismissals, which he always would have curbed in the past. And here he was making good between the third and the fourth test and, and under immense pressure in that after that first session of play when they'd lost five wickets. It was, an, it was a really interesting study that you only get in a lengthy test series. Oh, yeah. And you could see it on his face, Jared. When he walked out to bat in that first innings, like, you know, he, he was... He was as focused as I've seen him, and he just, hey, there was no signs of the sweep even. Never mind the reverse sweep or the reverse lap. He just wasn't even brave enough to sweep the ball. So it was just the master craftsman at his best. And, yeah, it, it did actually only serve to spotlight how reckless he had been in the previous test when they really needed him, and he played that silly reverse scoop. But uh, he's still quite something. Bairstow's been a real disappointment this series. I think his highest score is 38. Played a horrible shot to get out just after the break yesterday when he just bunted it to mid-off. And, and you know, they, they just couldn't afford a bad Bairstow this series. They just needed something from him. And he's been poor. And uh, Root has fired up, but it's taken a while. Back to the raging Turner in ranching. So there'd been, there's been good variation in these pitches, but this... Oh, the ball that essentially went under Stokes's bat in the first session of of the first day's play had uh, the English commentariat ready to sort of scream blue murder, and it's had its different moments. But this has been the absolute archetypal spinner's pitch. <laughs> and I've got to say, Jared, I just love it. I mean, <laughs> well, well, look at where we are now. One team needs a hundred and forty to win. The wicket's sort of breaking up, but it's not too bad. They've gone through stages. For some reason, late on every day at times, it's looked more challenging than at the start of the day. And yet balls have grubbed along the ground. Then it's played all right. They've overread it. But this, to me, I so hope this test pitch doesn't get marked down. They took a gamble, India. And I'll tell you why. Because there's a feeling that if it's a good pitch, India's spinners with their supreme experience and skill set just stand out. But when it's a lottery and a big turning deck, it's a bit like fishing in an aquarium. I'm as much chance of hooking one as, as your, you know, your champion angler because there's fish everywhere. And that's what it's like on a spinning deck. You know, you just sort of every child can win a prize and normally do. Yeah. And, and Bashir did get his five for the first innings. So they, they were brave by p- putting up a wicket, which was very cracked before play. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it was... When I always see these decks, Jared, I always think of you. Remember when Tony Gregg used to see a turning deck, and he used to just go off tap at the, at the, uh, you know, the pre-game, and that was was like a. But cricket will never. These sort of decks will never kill cricket. No, never. No, no, I agree with you on that front. Our cricket discussion for Henley Mortgage Fund: one thousand dollars a month off your home loans for two years. 
all backed by Henley's $7 billion parent. The wisdom and experience of Robert Craddock on a Monday. More after Nathan in the newsroom. The wisdom and experience of Robert Craddock on a Monday. So it's Vegas week in the NRL. We'll get there in a moment. But Crash, I did want to ask you before that. So Melbourne Rebels are condemned to live this most miserable existence. A terrible opening where they were hammered 30-3 to by the Brumbies. Crowd was between, say, four and 5,000. These are torturous days for a club that is on the brink of extinction. There's there's all sorts of the how and the why, but what a lot to have to carry for that sporting club right now. Oh, it, it really is, Jared. And look, they've shown a fair bit of spirit in their 14 years. I mean, we all know Melbourne's not, you know, rugby heartland. And, and they they nearly went under, I remember, in 2017 and were sold for a dollar. The, the private investor sold them for a dollar to Victorian Rugby Union. They took up the fight. They got them moving again. Well done. And they've kicked on another seven years. But this is desperately grim. I mean, debts of $23 million $17,000 in the bank, uh, 10 office staff may redundant. So when you walk through the front door, who's there? You know, most people are gone, uh, players on and coaches on four-month contracts. So everyone would... Be, you wouldn't be human if you weren't looking anywhere else, you know? And they... What saddens me was that they were a club which had their own spirit. I know the late uh, rugby union writer Wayne Smith from The Australian who passed away of a heart attack last year... He always used to say, he said, he said, I really like that club. He said, there's something about them. They made a little bit of a fuss over Smithy when he retired. They didn't have to. He went down there for a function and he thought it was one of the most touching things he'd ever had in his career. So they have got a spirit and a fibre, but, Jared, dollars and cents kick in. Rugby union at all levels. It's just been squeezed. It's popularity and uh, its television dealers poor. Phil War, their chief executive, is working, you know, any number of hours each week to try and turn them around. But if you're at the bottom of the food chain, you're suffering big time. And there's a number of other Australian clubs that are suffering, but I can't see any way back from them. Even though they've got a delay uh, from liquidation, the ARU wanted them liquidated. They fought that in court, got an extension. And, uh, but... It's got. So, do you see any way back, Jared? No. Well, no, I don't. Without knowing the intricate details of it, but I, I am interested, just as an an ongoing concern. So, I was thinking through the only two teams I can think of it that had to carry a lot like this was when the Storm were made to play as a ghost team for no points throughout a season, which was such a cruel and unusual way to treat a team. And then Fitzroy back in their final year when all was lost. Uh, and that was impossible to escape, and they they were left to play out their days under. Uh, it was only a vague stay of execution. So I sort of I would put them in with those two teams who were asked to perform just an unnatural sporting task. I think. Yeah, and, and I guess motivations can take different forms, though. Like I know. Uh, at least some of the players have been motivated by the fact that they probably they're basically auditioning for their next contract, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. They want to play on somewhere else next year, so they can't drop their bundle and go down with the ship. So, on one half of them is heartbroken for what's happened uh, to to their club, but on the other hand, they've got to get moving and uh, audition for the right to be uh, to join another club. Uh, I, and there was always a feeling, Jared, that the rugby talent in Australia was spread a bit thinly anyway. Um, that it was had too many franchises, but uh, but they put put up a, a solid fight. But I, you just 
it's just that if rugby was high in the water and they were getting a, if the World Cup was this year and there was a massive payout coming to the clubs or something like that, but this is a quiet year for rugby, you know, and there's not a lot to, the World Cup and the Bledisloe Cup and, you know, the big occasions, you know, they're, 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 I don't think it'll save them. How's Vegas week dawn for the NRL? <laughs> it's been, have you ever seen a bigger a landslide of publicity? It's almost <laughs> as if people have forgot about the game, isn't it? And isn't that interesting, Jared? The two codes, the AFL and the NRL, one's all about the footy and the opening of the season. You know, the, the games coming to Brisbane and Sydney, you know, absolute games, are the centrepiece. Whereas in Vegas, is there games on there? I can't even remember. <laughs> like, it's everything but the footy, isn't it? But uh, look, uh, it certainly achieved the Vegas season launch of objective of, of, you know, spotlighting, showcasing, getting excited about the season. That's one thing it has. There are pockets of it that I think are really worthwhile, such as the search for American players to play in the NRL. Um, that can work. They give them salary caps. There'll be Mason Coxes out there. I swear to you that, that who will come into the NRL in a few years and with these beautiful storylines, but cracking the American market over there for rugby league. Poh, big ask. I mean, soccer. Soccer is probably the sport you compare it to. It and after 60 years they've done it, but, but it wasn't a two or three year thing for them. They they started the 1960s and been whacking away and. Uh, it's such a hard market to crack. So what do you think represents success this weekend? I'd say a crowd of... The stadium's got to be at least half full, and I think it will, 30,000. Uh, solid ratings on Fox 1 uh, in America. Uh, players staying out of trouble, and I re- and that's got to be number one. If there's any incident over there, Jared, I swear to you it ruins the whole darn thing. And I'm yeah. talking one incident because it's all anyone will be talking about. I spoke to Funky Miller last week who works at MGM Hotel. You had him on your show when he spoke so well. He said, mate, there's an incident every night in a hotel in America. Someone gets robbed by a, a sex worker who, who didn't realise he was... They didn't realise he was a sex worker. And he said, just players have got to remember, and to use Funky's own language, you don't suddenly get more handsome after midnight. <laughs> and um, so there's all those traps and whatever if, if that fails. But, uh, and the chief of police over there has given him all the players his private number. That's how serious he is for it to go well. He said, ring me if you're in trouble. And so, uh, but they've been warned and warned and warned, and uh, we'll see. But I, I think uh, you wouldn't want to see empty stands there. I understand it is half full. Uh, sold out already, and there'll be, there's more to come. So it'll be a, it'll be a dignified crowd because, as Funky himself said, Jared, how many crowds of thirty or forty thousand do you get in Australia to rugby league? Not many. Yes, it's. Uh, I'm so looking forward to how it presents. Uh, and then the other element to it. So, I read that um, Carl Stefanovic's put his own money into uh, the idea of a US rugby league competition. Yeah, look, he has, and uh, we, our uh, master actually broke that story. It's interesting. It's very ambitious. Uh, the one thing it's got is that a lot of players would love to play in it. Uh, it would be like sort of the American T20 in cricket, uh, very short competition, and, and sort of get players over. It, it's ambitious. I just think... I've always felt cricket's a much better chance of cracking America than rugby league for this reason... Cricket doesn't have to convert anyone, Jared. It's got millions of millions of of Indian uh, 
people of Indian origin, Bangladesh, Pakistan of Asian heritage who love cricket. So I've always been surprised why cricket hasn't cracked it there, even in a boutique way, whereas with rugby league, you are dead set starting from scratch, aren't you? So it, it's, a, it's a big ask, but, you know, I like these sort of you know, entrepreneurs who have a crack and try and start things because there was a time when we all laughed at T20 cricket when it started. Yep. So who knows what can work? Yeah, I read that piece on the weekend that had organisers shocked by the ticket demands uh, in New York for the T20 game between Pakistan and India. I thought, oh, you hadn't you hadn't done the history at all. You're always going to be overwhelmed when there are only 34,000 tickets up for grabs for, for that game. That 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 will be the, the biggest moments in cricket in America Full stop. Biggest moment since the first game of international cricket ever. Uh, can you believe it was played? I think it was uh, the United States played Canada. And somehow it went missing. They got seduced by baseball. God damn them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, crash, it'll be a hell of a way to start a season anyway come, uh, come the weekend with the NRL. Enjoy it. I'll look forward to talking to you next week and we'll see how things go in New Zealand. Good luck over there, Jared. It's one of the great tours, and I just reckon the Kiwis, after all these years of torment by Australia, are ready to fire up. So uh, it'll uh, fasten your seatbelt. This will be two good tests. Thanks it, for having us. It'll mate. fire up week. the debate if they do fire up. Good on you. The wisdom and experience of Robert Craddock on a Monday with what has been and what's coming up.